Welcome to the Crafted by series from the Noah Not Podcast. And after seven episodes of photographers, sculptors, woodworkers, tattoo artists and art collectibles makers, we're going to dive into the local music scene. I'm Ken Dalbridge. I'm a sound designer and audio editor running a studio that caters to the advertising and corporate worlds. My career started in Hong Kong as a composer for a jingle studio and also as a sound designer for motion pictures. But in 1991, I started working heavily with a new satellite TV channel from New York City. Music television, known across the world as MTV, had come to Asia, and it was a creative hotbed for cutting-edge television. I worked on their promos, winning awards for my sound design work, and I got to work with some really cool people. In 1994, MTV left the Star TV platform, took a year out to regroup, and relaunched in Asia from a new base, Singapore. For many local musicians, MTV coming to Singapore was seen as a game-changer. No One Not is going to look at what has happened in the two decades since MTV came to town and take stock of the prospects for making a living in Singapore as a musician. Before we get started, I've got a few caveats. First, we're going to be talking about popular music. In this exploration of the local music scene, we're going to look at the music that sells the best. Second, copyright. As a member of a performing rights society and having been in the business for many years, I know my copyright. There's no eight bar rule, no two second rule, no fair use rules that allow anyone to use copyrighted music without the permission of the owners when it comes to podcasting. For this series, I've used production music from a library. I didn't ask the local musicians who sat for interviews to let me use their music for free. Hopefully you'll like the artists you're gonna meet and support them so they can earn income for their creative work. It's a big subject, and I've decided to split my look at the local music scene into several episodes. I'm producing these episodes as I go, so don't get mad if I have to adjust how the episodes are structured. But overall, it's going to be a little bit like this. This first episode is about the music, and the artists who write and perform it. The next one will be about the business. It's the music business, after all, and music is only half the picture. Then we're going to have an episode about live performance where bands can play, and what are the business implications for live performance in a digital on-demand world. Then we're going to look at the media and the role it plays in how it can both help and hinder a band to reach its audience and to grow it. Our final episode, the 12th in this series, looks into the different areas of where musicians can earn an income. And you'll be surprised at the options now available. You ready? Here we go. This is Lone Star State by Singaporean singer-songwriter in the local indie music scene with a dream to bring her music to a wider audience. I'm Fim Summer. I'm a singer-songwriter in Singapore. I guess I just really like writing songs. I started like when I was 10, when I picked up my first guitar. She represented Singapore at the South by Southwest Music Festival in 2018, bringing her eclectic style of folk to Texas, USA. Previous Singapore acts who've appeared at the South by Southwest Festival include the Sam Willows, Inch Chua, and the Great Spy Experiment. Fim's appearance at the festival generated a lot of interest in Singapore. 
When I came back, there's a lot of media attention and a lot of people interested in the journey about how an independent artist like me could go up there. I mean, usually this kind of festival targets and brings up all the artists with labels. I see myself as this little flower in a little nation. And I never imagined myself to be able to go to such a faraway place, such a big country. And I'm just out there alone and people are watching me and they like it. So I felt powerful that, hey, actually people really like my music. I don't have to, you know, see myself as a small flower at all. I am bigger than I am. Maybe you've heard of him before, or this is the first time. What you're going to hear in this multi-part exploration of the local music scene is the possibilities that the future holds for this promising singer-songwriter from Singapore. In 1995, MTV relaunched in Asia. It first launched out of Hong Kong in 1991, and after leaving the Star TV platform in 1994, it took a year-long sabbatical and relaunched out of Singapore. I'm going to use this as the backstop on this exploration of the local music scene. It's too big a subject to even consider trying to make a complete history of music in Singapore, so the arrival of the biggest music juggernaut is a good starting point. In 1995, the music scene in Singapore already had a distinctive style. This is Dave Tan of Electrico. I think there are several peaks. I think that was one peak. Uh, in the 90s, there was a very thriving local music scene which we were part of. That was the period where Electrico was formed. And there were so many bands playing the scene. I remember that period of time being very dynamic. There would be several gigs a week, you know, and they would be well attended and a lot of really quality bands and the community was tight. Different acts had different approaches. In the mid-90s, there was still an emphasis on playing instruments. Some of the techniques popular with contemporary music today were either not invented yet or had only started to come through. The format of a singer-songwriter who played an instrument was very popular and there were some notable successes. No one had had a local number one song on the radio in years, yes. I mean, decades yeah. even. Yeah. I don't know whether there was a novelty in that or people were just, I mean, the generation at that time were just craving for something local to be proud of because that was the generation, I think that was the cusp. The internet had just started to kick in and the world was now, we're now global, you know. And when we're global, I think as a Singaporean, you, you want to be able to stand on that stage and have an identity. So people started wanting to have local things to be proud of. And, and to have a song on the radio that topped everyone else from around the world was something they could have wanted to embrace. And that took off and suddenly all eyes were on us and we were given this opportunity. I had to make a decision whether I wanted to pursue it with all my heart, which means leaving my my production career. And I decided to pursue music full-time. That's the most delinquent thing you can do, you know. And and that's something that actually did haunt me throughout my music career. It was just something that I couldn't let go, is the Singaporeanness. I know it sucks, but uh, but it's true. I mean, and, and some people can deal with it better than others, but at lingering at the back of my mind, that was always something that prevented me from truly embracing the experience, I think. Yeah, it was a tough thing to quit a perfectly good job and, and rock out. By the end of the millennium, there seemed to be a change in the local music scene. The generation that had pushed through before were now starting to fade. I would be remiss in not discussing the Mandarin pop acts, such as Tanya Chua, Kit Chan and others. But for these artists, success would require looking at overseas markets very early in their career arc. For bands that did not sing in Mandarin, 
making a mark locally became an obligation, and that still meant selling physical CDs. Vanessa Fernandez, now better known via her moniker Vendetta, was a member of Urban Exchange, a band started by rapper and producer Terry Lee in 2000 that was signed to Universal Music and released two albums. I started out as a musician with a, a group that was signed to a major label, but we also did a couple of things independently. Knowing what already played on MTV meant that you had to try and create videos that could get to that level. I think that it definitely pushed the video medium, uh, the importance of the video medium uh, for artists. It was still an important part of the culture, and it still is to some extent, I feel. Another local band that played the South by Southwest Festival is Great Spy Experiment. They've since broken up, but they enjoyed a lot of success through the first decade of the new millennium. Hi, I'm Saiful Idris, uh, formerly vocalist, uh, guitarist and songwriter for The Great Spy Experiment. The Great Spy Experiment um, began in 2006. It was me and my best friend who got together and we, we got a bunch of guys to join us and, and form a band. Each of us had played uh, in different bands before, but I think our big break came uh, in 2006 when we participated in a band competition organised by Power98. We didn't win, but we ended up being the most successful, I guess, out of all the bands that took part. During the competition, we got to know Ross, Power98 DJ. She got our songs on radio. The following year, we released our first album, and yeah, apparently it did really well. It, it just kind of kicked on from there. One of the big success stories of bands that perform live is Jack and Ray, who continue to play live regularly since they first started as a duo performing at Walla Walla with a different playlist of covers. People still like going to clubs where bands played like normal chart-topping pop music, but we were playing like the Dave Matthews and when Coplay was still new. That's right. And they hadn't done anything to Chainsmokers yet. You know, people came and that's where we kind of built our brand and we kind of realised that the few bands that were with us at Walla Walla kind of defined that scene that happened like maybe from between 02 and 06 yeah. where people started enjoying live bands again I think that kind of music became the trend I think bands prior to 02 or around that time were doing like six nights a week yeah. it was always a five piece six piece seven piece band doing like Ray said top 40 covers from Toto mm -hmm. all the way till um, Bon Jovi and we came along with this acoustic two people doing like Yellow and, and Travis, Why Does It Rain On Me and, and stuff like that. And I thought that, um, you know, it was quite a nice time and I guess it was a breath of fresh air. And so that was when all the clubs rather had bands like, you know, different bands every day. It's a different lineup and all the bands were moving around the scene and playing at different places. So it was pretty vibrant, I think, uh, when, when the whole scene picked up. And after a while, we sort of transcended to like original music mm. and, you know, we did the album around the time that I actually decided to become a full-time musician. Let's put our living stereo stylus in this groove. There's now a new wave of local acts pushing through, including Jasmine Socko, Gentle Bones, and Waish, an artist whose primary medium is live loops, creating a layered landscape of sounds with a musical blend of singing, vocal percussion, and instrumentation. The industry has changed. I'll get more into that in a later episode. But the technology of music making has also greatly evolved in the last two decades, and some of the musicians from the mid-90s look with envy at the tools the current artists have at their disposal. I mean, I can still count the number of full-time musicians I know on one hand. But just from anecdotes and stories from people like Jason Tan, Chris Ho, that, that sort of generation of veterans, um, and they're always kind of waxing lyrical about how it's a lot 
easier now. I mean, you have a lot more competition, sure, and and social platforms and everything. But at the same time, there's just way more content, and it's a lot easier to to get yourself out there than it used to be. We were having a meal with, I think, the Analog Girl, and she was telling us about the the whole arduous process of burning music and then sending it in packages to strategically to different studios around the world. And yeah, we don't have to worry about all that anymore. So I feel things are quicker. It's easier to get yourself out there in Singapore, at least. The music scene in 2019 looks nothing like the industry was in 1995. Income came from album sales, airplay, and touring. To get anywhere, you had to have the muscle of a major label behind you for physical CD sales and airplay. The label would finance producing your record. Filming videos for your hits, a promoter to get you out on tour, and advertising to promote you in various magazines. In 2019, it's all changed. Music streaming services, social media, influencer marketing, and digital versions of everything that used to be physical. We're going to explore all of these things in the coming episodes. One thing that I do believe hasn't changed in the last quarter century is that the music industry is still about the song. The magic of songwriting and the secret of a transcendent performance combined, which lets an artist speak to its audience. The magic of songwriting, simplicity and authenticity in a way that's palpable in in whatever you write. That's the hardest thing to do. That really is the hardest thing to do, and that's why those simple songs that everyone remembers, evergreen for that reason, because it's just a pure intention and a pure message in what in in what the song is portraying. You know, Hey Jude, for example, so simple, just a piano and a, and a message. I think that's the key: it's just being authentic and real and true to what the message is, and 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 bringing the beauty of that message through the, its melody. It's all about the music.、Um, it's about Your life and what you want to say to the world and what the world gives you. It's about how you translate it. Because if sometimes the world gives you negative things, bad things, it just tries to bring you down. You can't just say, you know, I'm not gonna sing anymore. But it's all about how you translate it. So I would say, the power of music lies within the artist in itself. Thanks for listening to the first episode of our music industry review, part of our Crafted by series from the No One Up podcast. It was written, recorded, and mixed by me, Ken Delbridge. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. We're available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a load of other places. We'd love it if you give us a five star review. It helps other people find our podcast. And if you have a friend who you think would like it, please do recommend us. In our next episode, we will be looking at the business side of the local music scene. To learn more about our podcast, please visit knowornot.com. That's K-N-O-W-O-R-N-O-T.com.